Well, good morning again, everybody. I want to welcome everybody this morning. Um, as we, we were worshiping, uh, um, I felt God tell me uh, need to read this scripture out loud because I was reading a book uh, by Pastor Rick Warren. Um, was given to me, uh, loaned to me, I should say. Books should always be loaned so that the owners get them back and can read them again. But uh, The Purpose Driven Church is the name of the book. And we need to know uh, some things like why, what's our purpose? What's our mission? What's our, why do we do what we do uh, in this church? And uh, just so you know, you probably already know, but I want to just remind you that uh, Paul writes to the Romans, and I believe we can apply this to ourselves. Why do we come together on Sunday morning? Because he says, I long to see you. I like to see you guys. I hope you like to see me too, praise God. But I long to see you, he says, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And the sharing of our faith and the sharing of uh, just what God's been doing in our lives, it builds us up. So the, the purpose of our church is threefold. It's to win, to build, and to equip, or to evangelize, uh, equip, and empower. Praise God. So that's the purpose of our church, to win souls, to build them up, and to release the souls, the people that come in, into the ministry that God has established for them. But this morning, most of the Christian world is celebrating something called Palm Sunday. You all know what Palm Sunday is, as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and uh, there's a great big celebration. Um, it's a fulfillment of prophecy from the book of Zechariah. See your king coming to you on the, on a, the fold of a, uh, the colt of a, a donkey, and the people are going nuts. They're, they're taking their jackets or their cloaks off and laying them on the ground and so that Jesus can come in, and they're shouting, and the, um, the religious rulers tell <laughs> Jesus' disciples, you people are making too much noise. How many know you cannot make too much noise for God? You cannot make too much noise for Jesus. And, uh, and uh, Jesus says, uh, you know, <laughs> if you think that these people are making too much noise, guess what's going to happen if they be quiet? The rocks are going to cry out. That would have blown their mind. Just so you know, this is sheetrock. <laughs> so if we're not loud enough or if we're too quiet, Maybe the sheetrock might cry out and worship God for us, but I don't see that happening because this is a lively church, and we are, I hope, every single one of us, when we worship God, we worship from our hearts. That said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you this morning for your anointing, God, as I preach your word and bring a message that I believe that you would have us to hear this morning, that it would come and deeply embed itself in us that we would be encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. I um, decided or felt God would have me use this as the title, Arrested 
because I've been uh, watching on YouTube uh, all these uh, videos uh, and Facebook uh, people that get confronted by the police and, and how they're, they're mistreated and, uh, and how some of them actually try and uh, challenge the police and, and, and they win, you know, because they know all the rules. And <laughs> here's Jesus, he's the king of kings, and uh, he has just had the, um, the Last Supper. He just celebrated the Passover. This is uh, during the week when, uh, after he comes in, um, and uh, they just celebrated the Passover. He's just instituted the Lord's Supper. They go out to pray. At first, they, in one of the Gospels, it says they sing a hymn. And then they go out to pray in the garden, and everyone falls asleep. Well, what kind of prayer meeting is that? Can you imagine a prayer meeting where people fall asleep? That, that's not the kind of prayer meeting that I would like to attend. I'd like to attend a prayer meeting where there's power, where there's, there's some enthusiasm, where there's something going on where we touch God and God releases something in our midst. That's the kind of prayer meeting I like. Can you say amen? So, he's just... And now... Jesus has gone and prayed three times, Father, let this cup pass, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And he comes back, he finds them asleep, and he says, okay, guys, guess what? Showtime. Immediately, it says, after he stops praying, it says, immediately, Judas shows up. The one who betrayed him. He also knew the place where Jesus often went there with his disciples, the Garden of Gethsemane, having received a detachment of troops. Let's stop there for just a moment. A detachment of troops. These are Roman soldiers. This is anywhere between 300 and 600 armed Roman soldiers. Now why would Judas need that many soldiers with armament? These guys know how to kill people. That's what they do for a living. Why would Jesus, Judas need that many people to arrest Jesus? Well, think about it. <clears throat> Not too long before, Jesus went into the temple and single-handedly threw out all the money changers and everybody else that was doing stuff that they weren't supposed to do. They were supposed to be praying in the house of God and they're selling stuff and, and changing money. And Jesus single-handedly clears the place. Maybe that's why they need 600 soldiers. This, this guy, he's tough. <laughs> okay. Well, let's look at what else. And officers from the chief priests and Pharisees. These are temple police. Did you know they had policemen at the temple? Because if you were not Jewish, there were certain places in the temple you were not allowed to go, and you could get arrested. These are the same guys that uh, Peter and John are preaching in the temple with the guy who had just had received a miracle of healing and they get arrested. Or what's the charges? This is what people on the YouTube and the Facebook videos, oh, why are you detained? Am I being detained? What's the charges? And they arrest him. Well, <laughs> this guy's arrested because he got healed. <laughs> so what kind of charge is that? Well, these are the people, and that's the mindset of these officers from the chief priests. You're breaking the law. Really? By healing somebody? Come on, give me a break. Come on, officer. <laughs> Don't give me a ticket. Just give me a good scare. Praise God. They, and they come with lanterns, torches, and weapons. 
These guys were ready for a big fight. And how many people are there? Jesus and his 12 disciples. Well, if you really think we're that tough, <laughs> come on, let's go for it. <laughs> They're not, this is nuts. These people, you know, politely put, are insane. They're crazy. They're coming after Jesus and the disciples with all of these people. This is a mob. Anybody ever see videos of, of certain areas of the world where mobs just come and, and they go nuts, have riots. They happen sometimes here in this country too. But I'm, I'm, I've seen pictures and, and videos of other countries where there's this huge crowd of people and they're going crazy. Well, these people were somewhat disciplined because about three to 600 of them were soldiers. So they could be a little bit disciplined. Now, the reason I also believe that they came with so many people is because of their opinion of Jesus. Which leads the question to be asked, what's your opinion of Jesus? What's the world's opinion of Jesus? I saw a video of a, a rabbi explaining why Jesus could not be the Messiah based on, on uh, Isaiah chapter 53. Well, he couldn't be the Messiah because his mom had to be Jewish. Well, yes, Mary was Jewish, uh, but his stepdad doesn't count because he's not the real dad. And so um, Jesus couldn't be the Messiah because his dad was a ghost. Wait a minute. <laughs> Which ghost? It's the Holy Spirit is Jesus' father. And so uh, that argument doesn't hold water. Jesus couldn't be the Messiah because his dad was a ghost. <laughs> Good grief. The, this, the lengths that people go to try to discredit Jesus is just mind-boggling. And then Jesus, Judas comes and it says in verse 48, Matthew chapter 26, his betrayer had given them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Gave him a sign. What kind of a sign is that? This is such a terrible sign that now throughout the whole world, everyone knows what a Judas kiss is. There was a film based on uh, true events that happened in the uh, highlands of New Guinea. Some missionaries went into an area and uh, they learned the culture, or they learned the language, but they didn't really understand the culture too well. And they were trying to explain the gospel to these people. And when they got to the part about Judas betraying Jesus by trickery, they were delighted. That was wonderful. That's what they do. And it just so happens that while they were there, these, uh, these so-called friendly natives would come to the front door of the shack of the missionaries and, and engage them in conversation while a bunch of the rest of them would go around the back and steal their clothes and stuff. And the only reason they tolerated the missionaries was because they brought in medical supplies. And one day, one of the other tribes happened to capture by deceit one of the members of the tribe and they murdered him and killed him and ate him. And that started a war. And so the missionaries in the midst of this war, they told these people, you know what? If you do not stop this war, we are leaving. And that got their attention. And it just so happened that they had a, a custom in their culture. And in order to replace the dead man, one of the women in the other tribe that had killed the man had to be willing to give up their child, their baby, to this other tribe to replace that 
child. And that's how they got the gospel into these people. It was called peace child. And that's exactly what God did for us when He gave us His Son. He gave us a substitute for our sins, for our transgressions. I was reading in Isaiah, it says He was bruised for our iniquities. He wasn't just bruised, He beat the living daylights out of Him. The Bible says he was His face was so marred you couldn't even recognize who He was. Anybody ever seen anybody that's been beat up real bad? Oh my goodness. They tore Jesus up. I remember uh, reading about the scourging at the, at the, uh, the pillory or whatever you want to call it. it. And the historians, I believe it was Philo, the historian said that sometimes that these Roman soldiers, when they were beating somebody with the, the scourging, it made them stick to their stomach. It was so disgusting. And this is what Jesus have done for us. Notice, it's not in here, but Jesus had given them a sign. He's the one. Sees Him. Do you want a sign? <laughs> Read Zechariah. Here comes your king riding on the foal. That's a good sign. Well, guess what else it says in Zechariah? Just a minute, I'll turn there. Uh, Zechariah. What did I do with my notes? Oh, for heaven's sake. In Zechariah, it says that it predicts the 30 pieces of silver. It predicts the potter's house or the, the potter's field. It's chapter 14. Just a minute. Let me find it and I'll read it to you. Bear with me just a moment. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 talks about, says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Your king is coming to you. His just and having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. These people had seen this just a few days earlier. And then what does it say? In Zechariah chapter 11, Zechariah writes these words, I said to them, if it is agreeable to you, give me my wages, if not refrain. So they weighed out from my wages 30 pieces of silver. And then in verse 13 it says, And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, that princely price they set on me. Those 30 pieces of silver was specified in the uh, book of, um, uh, is it the book of Exodus or Leviticus? Exodus chapter 21 verse 32. If you have an ox that kills somebody's slave, you must pay the owner of that slave 30 pieces of silver. So they're equating Jesus as a slave. They're, they're despising Him. Just like it says in Isaiah, He was despised and rejected of men. Listen to what else it says in Zechariah. The Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, that princely price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. You want a sign from God? Read the Bible. There's plenty of signs. Hallelujah. The price of a slave. That's what they paid for Jesus. Not only that, in Luke chapter 22, verse 6, Judas had come and conspired with the, 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 the chief priests and 
And he specifically says in Luke chapter 22, verse 6, make sure, I'll make sure that he doesn't have a big group of people with him. I'll make sure of that, he says. And they conspire against Jesus, but they bring a big group of people. <clears throat> nice guys, huh? What does it say? He says, whomever I kiss, he's the one sees him. Immediately goes up to Jesus and says, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. Notice he doesn't call him Lord. This tells us that Judas's opinion of Jesus is that he was not the Lord. Remember what Peter said, Jesus said, who do you say I am? You're the Messiah. Apparently, he was not the Messiah to Judas. He was only a rabbi, a teacher. Everyone should be familiar with that famous quote from C.S. Lewis. Jesus was either a, he's either the Lord, or he's a lunatic, or he's a liar. He's more than just a good teacher. He's the Lord. But apparently, he was not the Lord of Judas. He was only a teacher. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, friend, isn't Judas just betrays him in front of a big group of people. And Jesus still calls him friend. Isn't that blow your mind? <laughs> That's because Jesus is not normal person. Jesus is not like you and I. We need to be like Jesus. Can you say amen? That's the whole purpose of God is to mold and transform us and to shape us into the image and likeness of His Son so that people can see Jesus in us. Praise God. Takes a miracle, amen? Praise God. A sign. Lead him away safely, one version says. Why? He's this terrible criminal. Why should we leave him away safely? Let's just do away with him right now. Well, little did Judas know that he was part of God's plan. Unfortunately, <coughs> Jesus said it would be better if he hadn't been born. They laid hands on Jesus and took him. Now his betrayer gave him a signal, a sign. Where am I kissed? Lead him away safely. Mark chapter 14, verse 44. It goes on. In Mark chapter 40, 14, or John chapter 7, verse 30, Jesus said that I give my life freely. In other words, Jesus is saying, let's go back just a second. They led him away safely because Jesus allowed them to. Jesus gave his life for us. He didn't get captured against his will. He knew this was happening. Praise God. You did not seize me. You couldn't. In John chapter 7, verse 30, and verse 32, and verse 44, they were going to try to kill him then and there in those verses and those situations, and Jesus escaped out of their hand because it was not yet his time. They couldn't take Jesus until he was ready, until it was the time. Hallelujah. In all of the Gospels, it talks about somebody taking out a sword to try to defend Jesus and cutting somebody's ear off. John identifies this as the servant of the high priest. Apparently, this guy's a big shot. He's the personal assistant of the high priest, and he's there representing. 
And only Luke's gospel in chapter 22, verse 41 says, or 51 says that Jesus healed the man's ear. What a demonstration of power and grace and love. They're here going to arrest him, and he knows what's going to happen. Then Hebrews, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He knew what was going to happen, and he let them take him. And here, just right at the end, just when, when the plotters uh, had uh, um, decided to get into action and things started happening uh, to what they thought was going to be Jesus' demise, he heals somebody. A miracle takes place right towards the end of things that are going on. What a wonderful Jesus we serve. Amen. You couldn't take me. You did not seize me because you couldn't take me until I allowed you to. Hallelujah. God is good. He is so good. Jesus, knowing therefore, all things that would come upon him went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? Who are you looking for? And they tell him, We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, Jesus says, Oh, it's that guy over there. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He, he says these words, I am he. And if you know anything about the Bible, this word he in the New King James is italicized, which means it's not there in the original. And so Jesus simply says, I am. This is the great I am. The King James Version added the he. In John chapter 4, verse 26, to the woman at the well, Jesus says these words. She says, I know when, when Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all things. And he simply says to her, I, who am speaking to you, am he. I am. This is the great I am. This is God in the flesh. In chapter 8, verse 24 and verse 22, somebody asked Jesus, who are you? Who do you say you are? And Jesus tells him, when you see the Son of Man lifted up, you will know that I am. The Scripture was fulfilled so that you may believe in chapter 13 of John's Gospel, verse 19, that I am. In chapter 18, verse 5, verse 6, verse 8, here in this particular passage, Jesus three times He tells them, I am. And what happens? Now when He said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. They got slain in the Spirit, so to speak. All of them fell down. Now, <clears throat> that's a demonstration of power. Can you say amen? Just by telling them, Jesus says, you know, and he had told them, you know, <clears throat> if I really wanted to, I could ask the Father in heaven to send two legions of angels and wipe all of you guys out. And this demonstration of power was necessary so that they might understand that in verse 30 of chapter 8 that many believed that they might understand who they're dealing with. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, Moses is at the burning bush, and he asks God, well, what's your name? And God says, I am, which literally means the self-existing one, the one who is, always has been and always will be the ever-present and living one. 
He says, I am. They fall down, and Jesus demonstrates his power to them. Because, no doubt, the conspirators were probably going to arrest everybody, just like they did with John and Peter and the guy that was healed, uh, being born lame from his mother's womb, or his, I don't know how long the guy had been lame, and they arrest him for getting healed. What nonsense. They were probably going to arrest all of the disciples, and Jesus tells them, you let them go. And he wasn't asking them. He told them, you take me, let them go. Because the Bible had, or the, there was a scripture that the sheep will be smitten and the sheep, the shepherd smitten and the sheep scattered. So in order to fulfill the prophecy, Jesus had to tell them, commanded them, you let them go, you take me. Praise God. John chapter 10, verse 14 through 18. Jesus said, here's the words, I am. I don't know how many times I didn't count it up, but there's a bunch of scriptures or a bunch of um, uh, times in the gospel of John where Jesus says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is that I am. So they knew what he was saying. I know my sheep and I'm known by my own as the Father knows me. Even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's us. Ah, we're the sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray, the Bible says. And the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on him. Thank God that we could never, ever pay for our own sins. Amen. Hallelujah. But God has provided a lamb. And Jesus said, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. That's you and I. Praise God. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Somebody, I don't know the man's name, but they're having a debate. And uh, this man is claiming that you Christians started World War II and World War I. And you Christians start wars all over the place. Is that so? Maybe they're not really Christians if they're starting wars. What did Jesus say? Turn the other cheek. <laughs> Is that easy to do? Not always. But Jesus had the power to lay down his own life and take it back up. He did this willingly for you and I. Hallelujah. And so next week, we celebrate Easter. The Bible says, Paul writes, I believe it's to the Corinthians, he says, you know, some people think one day is more important than the other. Some people think that every day is the same. Make up your own mind. To me, every day is Easter because Jesus has risen from the dead and it is impossible for him to die again. And the Bible says that he makes intercession for us. Isn't that wonderful to know Jesus is praying for you and I when you're going through trouble, when you're having problems, when it seems like there's an enemy oppressing you. Oh God, there's oppression all over the world. There's confusion. People don't even know if they're a boy or a girl. Hallelujah. God does, and God made him the way he made him. And all of this nonsense that's going on, all of this craziness that's going on, 
Jesus is praying for his people, for his believers. And I believe Jesus is praying for us especially to try and win the lost. That should be our focus. That should be our emphasis. That should be what uh, drives us. That should be what makes us uh, uh, wake up in the middle of the night and get out of bed like we should and pray. And then if you can, go back to bed. And I'm speaking to myself because I wake up quite a bit at night and sometimes, like uh, uh, Watchman Nee says, uh, uh, your bed could be your worst enemy. Keep you from God. Oh, God, deliver us from our, our sleepiness and our slumber. Hallelujah. But you know, God's not harsh. And say amen. God is so gracious. God is so good. God is so patient with us. Can you say amen? Praise God. As we approach Easter, the scene, think about this. They had just ate the Passover dinner. And Judas comes and has him arrested. What craziness. But it was God's plan all along. It was God's plan all along. What a gracious God we serve. What a loving God we have that he provided for us what we could never, ever have done for ourselves. Praise God. I hope you're blessed. I hope that this Easter you will, you know, just think on these things. That God is good. That God paid the price. That God gave his only son. That Jesus took our place. Hallelujah. And that God is faithful. And that we have the hope of resurrection from the dead. We have the hope of eternal life. We have the hope that no matter what goes on in the world, we're going to see Jesus face to face. We're going to have him look in our eyes. And I hope to God that when he does, he's going to be able to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Praise God. Well, um, I hope you're somewhat encouraged. <laughs> God is a good God. And God is a loving God, and God is a faithful God, and God is a gracious God. So let's close in prayer this morning.